0: you are listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. Resonate is a collegiate church planning network in the Northwest. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at resonate.net. Well, hey, my name is Josh and I'm one of the pastors here and it is good to see you. Uh, today is a big day for us for a couple of reasons. Uh, one of the reasons it's a big day for us is we are finished with the book of Luke. It took like 40 weeks plus some to get through the book of Luke. So I don't know if they give out like patches for churches to go through books of the Bible or what, but we would get a patch today. We did it. Uh, so we're uh, transitioning to a new series. And today is actually our church's birthday. Like happy birthday resonate. Yeah. So 11 years ago today, we were eating breakfast Uh, Together as a core team of like seven people, we were about to have our first church service at Schweitzer Engineering uh, Event Center, and it was a crazy morning for us just hoping someone was going to show up. We had like an eight-foot trailer and some cinder blocks and some plywood for a stage, and I like really harassed three of my friends to be in a band with me to play music. They never played again, but for one day they played. And so it was just, it was a lot of fun and we made it 11 years. So congratulations resonate. We are headed into junior high. Uh, 11 years old. So we are, we are moving into the awkward stage of life where like girls are starting to get pretty, but girls don't think guys are cute yet. Everything smells like Axe body spray. It's, it's an exciting time for us as a church. Um, that's in Pullman. We're 11 in Ellensburg. They're like four years old. So they're going into preschool and that's exciting, getting a backpack and all those things. And so in Boise, they're just like two weeks old. So they're just like trying to do something besides sleep and use the bathroom all the time. And so there's a, that was too much, sorry. <laughs> Different stages of life we are all in. And uh, and for us here, it's 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 the junior high stage. So if you've ever wondered, like, man, Resonate isn't running properly, or there's things I wish we were doing better, just remember what grade we're in. We're, we're in sixth grade, and we're, we're trying to figure it out. Sixth grade for me, I had a calculator watch and a spike haircut, uh, and it was a big deal. So just for fun, how many of you remember junior high with good memories? Raise your hand. How many of you remember junior high with terrible memories? All right, so the first group was like the cool kids who made everybody miserable. (laughs) Second group, yeah, like it's awkward because they're not so cool anymore that we're adults. No? Uh, Sorry. Either way, here's what we're going to do today. Birthdays are a they're really a gift. They're an opportunity for us to, to have some retrospection, to look back on our life and ask the question, uh, are we being who we want to be? I think that's a good hint for any of our birthdays, a good, a good idea. But for us, we're, we're going to ask this question, are we being who we are supposed to be? And even bigger than that, not just <clears throat> are we being who we want to be, but bigger than that, are we being who God wants us to be? That, that's an even more important question. So here, when I say are we being who God wants us to be, to be this is important this might be a twist to what you're thinking i'm not talking about resonate church i'm not when i say is god are we being who god's asked us to be i'm not saying us as resonate church i'm actually asking a bigger question are we being who god's asked us to be as the church not resonate church because there's actually a biblical picture that we cannot divorce ourselves from as resonate church when we think about being the church. So it's not, it's not being who God has called us to be as resonate church first, it's being who God has called us to be as the church first, and being who God's called us to be as the church then allows us to be who God has called us to be in resonate church, because this is important. I know I've probably lost some of you already, but stay with me. If we don't do what God has asked us to do as the church, then we don't stand a chance of doing what God's asked us to do as resonate church. If we're not being who the Bible has laid out as the church, then it doesn't matter how much vision and how much videos and how much cool stuff we try to pull off here. None of that's going to work because God is more concerned with who we are as the church than who we are as Resonate Church. Because if we're being who we are as the church, then what shall burst out of us because of who we are is actions and vision and mission and activities as Resonate Church because of who we are as the church. So we're going to ask the question, who are we? Who are we as the church? And this, this, might, this might be fun for some of you and some of you might not like this, but believe it or not, we don't even get to have defining rights over who we are as the church because we have to look to the scripture and look at Jesus and see what he tells us that we are. And what's brilliant about Jesus is he connects who we are to who he is. And by knowing who he is, we get to see who we are. So if you have your Bible, would you grab it and turn to Matthew chapter 16, we're going to be in verse 13 through 18 in Matthew 16, uh, and we are junior hires with an identity crisis going to Jesus saying, do you know who we are? Because we don't. We just got calculator watches and Axe body spray, and it's bad. But can you, can you tell us who we are? Because we, we're being swayed, and we're not sure, and, and so we want to be reminded of who we are, and how Jesus introduces who the church is uh, is actually really beautiful. So here it is, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And then Peter answered, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Underline that, highlight that in your Bible. It's the first time this word is used in the New Testament. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not overcome it. So again, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, who do people say that I am? And they're like, Elijah, Elijah. Jeremiah, John the Baptist, some of the other prophecies, like, okay, that's, that's what they say about me, but you guys are my disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, I believe you're the Christ. Like the Messiah, the one the Old Testament has prophesied about, the one who's supposed to come and save the people from their sins and establish the kingdom of God on earth. That guy, that's who I think you are, Jesus. That's, that's who I think you are. I believe that you is who you are. You're the long-awaited savior of the world who's finally come. Oh, and you're not only that guy, you're also the son of the living God, which basically means you are God. So you're the eternal designer and sustainer of an everlasting kingdom. Thanks for asking, Jesus. That's who I think you are. Is that true? Peter's like, I hope so. I say dumb stuff sometimes. Is this one of those things? And Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, blessed are you because God revealed that to you. My Father in heaven gave you that insight. And I tell you that that Peter, you uh, and your confession, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And In that moment, Jesus introduces the word church. And in the Greek, it's the word ekklesia. He says for the first time, I am going to build an ekklesia. Upon this rock, an ecclesia will be built. Now there's been confusion over the years about whether or not he was talking about Peter, like upon Peter, I'm gonna build my church. But, but 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 we've come to a place where we say it's not about Peter the person, it's about Peter's confession about Jesus the person. So, Peter, your confession, what you just said about me, that's the rock by which I will build my ecclesia. Upon the truth of your confession, I'm gonna build a church. Upon what you just said about me. And if you think Peter was the guy they were supposed to build the church on, just read nine verses later in the book of Matthew. Nine verses later, Jesus calls Peter the devil. So just in case you're wondering, he's like, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. Nine verses later, get behind me, Satan. Peter, you don't understand what's going on. Jesus is like, I'm going to the cross. And Peter's like, no, you're not. And Jesus is like, you're acting like the devil. Get out of my face. Great job nine verses ago. Right now, not cool, man. Not cool. They had a very dynamic relationship, Jesus and Peter. So, We are introduced to the ecclesia, introduced by Jesus to the ecclesia. This is profound. This is beautiful. This is the vision casting moment Jesus gives for the church. And the thing he lays out is overwhelmingly beautiful if we have eyes to see it. He says, I am here to save people, to redeem people. I'm going to build a people. I'm going to send this people and they will be unstoppable. The gates of hell do not stand a chance against this thing that's about to be created upon the confession of Peter, of who. Who I am. So what is the church? What is the ecclesia? I'm about to read to you a very clunky, not grammarly, it's not proper good grammar or English, and I don't even care because I couldn't leave anything out. So if you like very well-written sentences, plug your ears. But here we go. What is the church? It is a God-revealed, air quotes, God-revealed group of people bought by Jesus, built by Jesus, commissioned by Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish a mission that the gates of hell will not prevail against. That is what Jesus has laid out as the ecclesia that he is founding and leading. And that is what I'm asking. Who are we? This is who we are. So let's walk through this. A God-revealed group of people God revealed, the word ecclesia means called out ones, that they were in something and they were called out of it to do something else. So what it means when we say God revealed is this, no one here who believes that Jesus is Lord can say that they came to that conclusion on their own. You didn't earn it, you didn't deserve it. You didn't work for it. You didn't get enlightenment to achieve it. God himself revealed to you the, the truth of who he is so that none of us can stand before God and think we are awesome. None of us think that we are first round draft picks on God's fantasy football team. None of us can walk around thinking we are special or all-star Christians. All of us walk around understanding we were given a gift, a gift that we did nothing to achieve. It was gifted to us by Our heavenly father, he revealed that to us. My my favorite definition of evangelism in college, uh, our evangelism class was was by D.T. Niles. And here's what it says. It says, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I was like, what a beautiful understanding of who I am in the kingdom of God. I was a beggar who was revealed the knowledge of where bread is where my soul and my, my, my flesh could be satisfied. And so now I go and I tell other people the source of the place uh, of the one who can satisfy all that we have need for. So listen, our hearts and our dead hearts were brought to life to the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. And we joined this God revealed group. So first things first, God did this. The church, God did it. Entrepreneurs didn't do it. Cool, clever fishermen in the first century didn't do it. Constantine didn't do it. CEOs didn't do it. Brilliant people didn't do it. God did this first things first. God did this. A God-revealed group of people. Now, now how did he do this? How did God do this? He did it through Jesus. And so we're a God-revealed group of people next, bought by Jesus. We get this in the book of Acts When Luke tells us what happened in the church, he says in Acts 20, 28, keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of, here, underline this, the church of God, which Jesus bought with his own blood. You are shepherds of the church of God, which Jesus bought with his own blood. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says you were bought with the price, therefore honor God with your body. So not only was this revealed to us by God, this is incredibly weighty. This is heavy stuff we are talking about. So so let me say it to you plainly. Entrance into the church of God was free for you, but it wasn't free for Jesus. It was free for you because it was costly for him. It it was given to you as a gift because it it was earned by him and handed to you. So this isn't small, no big deal. I can come in and out of the kingdom of God and come in and out of the church. It's not a big thing. This is God saying, I have paid the highest price imaginable to make it possible to reveal to you what's going on in the universe. I've paid the highest price imaginable so that you could worship and live a righteous life. Everything that you now have is because Jesus laid out everything he had. And the book of Hebrews said it was his joy to do so. It says, joy to bear the cross in your place. Listen, if you're a follower of Christ, that should stir you. This was revealed to you by God as a gift. This was paid for by someone else. Jesus, his very own blood. This should stir us daily. Jesus told his disciples, greater love has none than this. And someone would lay down their life for their friends. And that's what you are. You're my friends. And I'm laying down my life for you so you can know the one who's the source of all good things. So you want to talk about a value statement you want to talk about self-worth, you want to talk about how you feel, you were purchased at the highest price imaginable that God the Father would send his own son so that you could know him and be in union with him. There was a purchase made for you That was the highest thing that God could give is what he gave on your behalf. So we are God-revealed people, purchased by Jesus, and then furthermore, built by Jesus. So not only were we bought by Jesus, we're built by Jesus. And this isn't talking about just a building, because we read this in 1 Peter 2. Uh, Peter says, you're also living stones. You're being built up as a spiritual house a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So listen, the church is not a building. It's not wood and stone. It's people. And they're people who have made God the foundation of their lives. And we obey him in faith. And when we do that, we become stones together, showing the world who God is. And all of us together are the church of Jesus and there's no other foundation that's been laid than the foundation of Christ. We see this in 1 Corinthians 3, 11. No other foundations can anyone lay than what's already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. So listen, this is important, resonate. We've planted nine churches. So, so sometimes we talk about our church, we talk about a vision to plant 21 churches. By 2021, we are, we are just as committed today as we have ever been to that vision. But listen to me. Clearly, we plant the church We don't build the church. We plant. We put the seed in the ground, the gospel in the seed in the ground. And we say, God, would you bring the rain? God, would you bring the sunshine? God, would you bring the protection necessary? We are planters of the church. Jesus alone is the builder of the church. If we ever start to act like we are builders of the church, we are outside of our jurisdiction, outside of our capabilities, and fundamentally, centrally in sin. We are not the builders of the church. We are the planters of the church. And this is what that means. This means all pressure is on God. That's great news. God, this is up to you, man. So sermons don't save people. Songs don't save people. When we see people come to know Jesus, which we've seen like this week, people come to know Jesus. We always stand in awe of the fact that only God could do that. We've been at baptism services. We've baptized over 800 college students in the course of of 11 years in Resonate Church. And every single time, every single time, I am still amazed at a miracle of God. Not the, the conjuring of a cool group of people recruiting others to join their club. This is a miracle of God where a resurrection of a dead heart has been seen in our midst. That's why when we look back at 10 years of our church, we thought, what do we call this thing? And the best we could come up with was only God. Only God could do that because we know ourselves and we are the worst. (laughs) We're the worst. We're we're junior high kids. (laughs) It's bad. But God can do the impossible in our midst. So listen, there is no desire, never will be a desire for us as your leaders to build a resonate empire. We want to give our lives to plant churches and to shepherd churches knowing that Jesus builds churches. We can't. On our best day, we can build a sand castle that won't withstand the day. But we can trust giving our lives to someone named Jesus who can build an eternal, everlasting kingdom that will not rust, that will not fade, that will not fall. And so we believe that he builds the church. He he, he's given us the knowledge of him, he has purchased us, and he builds the church. So we're bought by Jesus, we're built by Jesus, and then furthermore, we are commissioned by Jesus. Matthew 28, you've heard this if you have any church background. Then Jesus came to them, the disciples, and says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you've been around us long, we've we've really tried to clarify this. Jesus had a mission, and then that mission was given to the church. So in other words, Resonate Church does not have a mission Resonate Church was given a mission directly from Jesus himself. We did not create this thing. He gave it to us. So we joke all the time. People come to us and we're like, man, I don't like all that talk that Resonate has about disciple making and church planting. And I'm like, I didn't make that up. I, I could have never like, you need to take that up with Jesus. Like, I'm just trying to not blow this thing. But to me, it's very clear that disciple making and church planting is absolutely what he has commissioned us to do. It's even more than that, that Jesus's brilliant strategy to reach the nations with the good news is through disciple making. That's the picture. Jesus goes, man, the the goodness of God, the glory of God, the salvation I offer, the power of the spirit, it's too good to be kept here. The whole world has to hear it. And you know how they're going to hear it? One person at a time making a disciple of another person, of another person, of another person. That's his great strategy. And when God does this, again, my clunky definition here, a God-revealed group of people bought by Jesus, built by Jesus, commissioned by Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit do you remember in the book of Acts when they're trying to go for it? And he's like, no, 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 you can't go yet. You're a bunch of junior hires, don't go. Okay, wait till the Holy Spirit comes. And then when the Holy Spirit comes, it's gonna blow this thing up. If you're in junior high, I'm so sorry. Don't be offended. I'm just trying to be funny. I don't have a lot of jokes in this sermon. So junior high is my only, okay, you don't care. All right, great. Wait till the Holy Spirit comes. One junior high kid claps, awesome. Wait till the Holy Spirit comes. And when he comes, he's gonna give you the power to accomplish the mission of God. Oh, and by the way, the gates of hell don't stand a chance. This, this is already going to happen. So listen, if we're honest, if you're honest and if I'm honest, I do not know that most of us think this picture when we think about the church. I don't know if we see this as the picture because even, even when I hear that, the gates of hell will not overcome this people. Honestly, I have always had a picture of the church being this group of people that hell and the enemy and the angels and Satan and all his bad stuff they're attacking the church. That's, that's the picture I have in my mind. They're attacking the church. And so the church has to be like this conservative refuge place from the big bad world. And so I got to be protected from the big bad world. And, and as long as I'm with my people and included in my place and my building and my small group and my friends and my quiet time and my Instagram photo of my Bible and my coffee and all, like, as long as I'm doing that, then Satan's attacks will not hurt me. But Jesus gives a picture here that does not say the kingdom, or sorry, it does not say the gates of heaven are being attacked. It says the gates of hell are being attacked. It's not that heaven is this fortress holding off the enemy. It's as if the people of God are going out there and Satan cannot get away from us. It is not that the people of God cannot get away from Satan. It's that Satan, the gates of hell, the gates of death, this whole picture does not stand a chance. The picture Jesus paints is that the church is a victorious, offensive, missionary people that cannot be stopped by the gates of hell. We are a trampling the gates of hell kind of people. That's the picture. A unified army trampling the gates of hell. By the same conviction and the same confession. And this victorious picture is not lived in here. It's lived out there. This is not an in here thing. So you go, okay, Josh, that took a while, but I think I got through your clunky definition there. If that's who the church is, then who am I? You ready for an even more clunky definition? Prepare your hearts, because it's coming for you. Couldn't leave any of it out. It's too good. If that's who the church is, then here's who we're supposed to be and not resonate church Christians, I'm talking about New Testament Jesus Christians, then you are, and I am, a disciple-making disciple of Jesus. We're already in trouble. A disciple-making disciple of Jesus. That's not redundant, that's a good sentence. A disciple-making, not just a disciple. No, 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 that's not enough. A disciple-making disciple. There's more. A disciple-making disciple of Jesus, bought by Jesus being built by Jesus, because we're not there yet, commissioned by Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit to actively engage in the growth of the body of Christ and the expansion of the kingdom of God. Did you catch all that? Disciple making, disciple of Jesus, who was bought by Christ. God revealed this to me, I was bought by Christ and I'm being built up by Christ right now as we speak. And I've been commissioned by Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're a follower of Christ in here, you have the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. What happened to Christ on Sunday can happen to you every day. It's in there. And then we have the power of the Holy Spirit. So we are sent to actively engage in the growth of the body of Christ, the family of God, and the expansion of the kingdom of God in this world. Now, this is so important because a lot of us have a view of church that we brought with us, that we grew up with, that grandma has, or whatever. And we have expectations and we have desires. So some of us, if we're honest, we still believe church is that building in town that I show up to once a week and then I walk out of the doors and I live like everybody else. But once a week I go to this place, but I leave that place and I'm not really transformed. And I'm not really really going into the world to be a, uh, an agent of transformation. I just go to that place and then I leave. Or maybe you have a little bit uh, more formal background, maybe like a Catholic church kind of background, where you saw there's this singular person who's really special. And that singular person, he has access to God's word. He has access to uh, ministry and he has access to things that we don't have access to, to. So he's the special one who does the ministry and we simply receive the ministry. We go to that special guy and he, he gives us ministry. Maybe that's a picture you have or, or, or God help us, this new contemporary picture of church that has the terrible habit of elevating church leaders to be the only doers of the ministry and everyone else is a receiver of the ministry. And so the strategy now is create a really cool building, like the coolest building in your city and get get the best musicians in town and get the best show in town and And your preacher, man, he needs to be like the most charismatic, amazing dude ever. He needs to preach like 50 weeks a year because if he's not preaching, people ain't coming. So it needs to be this one dude and he needs to be awesome, like really funny, like one part comedian, one part TED talk, but also like make me cry, but also like make me laugh. And also like tell me something inspirational because I've had a really bad week And the band. The band needs to pick really good songs that make me feel better. So if we're really honest, and I'm gonna be super shallow here, there are so many people that go to church just wanting to feel better. I just want to, I listen to Christian music just to feel better. The whole marketing of Christian music is just to make moms feel better while they drive around and deal with crazy kids. (laughs) I just want to feel better because I just feel bad. Could I go into a place and you not tell me I'm a sinner and all? like, just tell me I'm blessed and I'm going to be better. And the problem is that's, I mean, the Bible does say that, but, but the whole point of this thing is like, let me just feel better. And that's, that's a picture we have in the church and we have lost something so fundamental, so vital, so beautiful that we have to recover. Listen to me, Resonate Church, we have to recover this. That, that the New Testament's intent and Jesus himself's intent is that everyday disciples engaging of the mission of God in all aspects of the world is the strategy. Everyday disciples engaging in the mission of God everywhere they go. everybody plays Everybody plays and the pastoral leadership, the the staff leadership, we play the role of a quipper. We want to equip you to make sure you know what's going on. This is from Ephesians chapter four, real quick. So Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip the people for the works of service. Not to do the works of service, but to be equippers of the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So everybody plays. The body of Christ is gonna get built up when everybody plays until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we're to equip you for the works of service and the works of ministry. Now, this is important. I know I've given you a lot of definitions and a lot of chaos, but stay with me. A lot of us think that the works of service are supposed to be happening inside the church. or The works of ministry are happening inside the church. What we're trying to show you is that the New Testament says we are to equip you to do ministry and service outside the church, outside the church. Our jobs are to train you and equip you so that you can leave this place and go knock down the gates of hell, wherever you find yourself. So in order for us to do that, we gotta believe that Jesus wants us to do that. In order for us to do that, we are going to have to realize that to be the church God has called us to be, We need two mindset shifts, you ready? We have to rethink our vocation, which is school for a lot of you students and it's just called job for the rest of us. And we have to rethink our neighborhood or the campus, the dorm, the apartment complex, the neighborhood. If we're going to be equipped to go out in the world and be gates of hell knocking down Christians who operate as the church, and that means we have to rethink about where we spend most of our times, what you do and where you live are major aspects of God's design and desire for your life. You have to rethink vocation and you have to rethink the campus. And the way we rethink all this is actually rethinking the church itself, not resonate church, but the church, the big church. And here's what I mean. We have to recapture the missionary nature of the church. And what I mean by that is the church doesn't send missionaries. The church is the missionary. There's not a few special people that get sent out. It's all of us, everyday believers. I have the power of the Holy Spirit. I've been equipped by my leadership team. I'm ready to go. I'm a disciple making disciple. I'm not on the sidelines. Everybody plays. Everybody has a jersey. We're going to wherever we worked, wherever we live. And we're asking questions of God, how can I bring the kingdom to this place? God, how can I be faithful and bless my neighbors? God, how can I show the world that there is a source of satisfaction, that I was a beggar needing food and I have found the source of food. So I've got to show other people this good news. We are a called out, ecclesia, called out people of God who gather, this is huge, who gather for the point of scattering. The reason we get together is to be encouraged and to be equipped for what? To be sent out and to live in a world that so desperately needs the source of life. And so our jobs is to unleash you to have missionary behaviors in your context. Missionary behaviors in your context that create community, that create blessing, that operate in hospitality, all kinds of great things that are happening. And I I don't know that we've even seen this in the Bible. This is all over the Bible and it's called tent making in the Bible, tent making. It's been recently rebranded as co-vocational ministry. Bivocational ministry says I'm separating two things. I have a job and I have my life. Oh, and also on the side, I do this ministry thing. No, co-vocational says these are, these are coexisting realities and callings in my life. I'm absolutely called to be a professor at WSU or called to be a farmer, called to be a plumber, or called, called to be an insurance salesman or called to be whatever I do. But I'm also called to be a disciple-making disciple, bought by Jesus, being built by Jesus, commissioned by Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. To bring the, to, gosh, I don't need my own definition. It's long. To, what's next? To grow the body of Christ and expand the kingdom of God. There it goes. I've only, I got to work on that. Too clunky. But there's something inside of me that says, I have one life and wherever I go, this is what I'm about and this is what I do. And so we have to see this in the Bible. I recently read this article about co-vocational church planting and co-vocational disciple making. And, And this guy says this. He said, the secular job is not an inconvenience but it's a God-given context in which tent makers live out the gospel in a winsome, wholesome, non-judgmental way, demonstrating personal integrity, doing quality work and developing caring relationships. So right where you are, you can be a person who brings the kingdom of God and shows the good news right where you are. You don't have to bring them to Josh and say, hey, Josh, I brought my friend to you. You're the professional who shares the gospel. I'm like, nice to meet you, person I don't know here, let me share the gospel. No, no, you can do it right where you are. You can be empowered right where you are. I mean, you can bring your friends to me. I'm just gonna be like, go back to you. It'll, it'll be a fun conversation. But there, there's, this stuff happens in the Bible. And so I wanna I want highlight one story. I could do two, but I don't have time. One story of an unbelievable couple in the New Testament that has been glossed over for a lot of us. There was a couple in the early church that had significant impact and there is no evidence in the Bible that they were actual professional full-time Christian ministers. They are not listed amongst the uh, apostles or the, uh, the the special spiritual any sort of title. But there is no shortage of impact on multiple different churches by a couple named Priscilla and Aquila in the New Testament. Priscilla and Aquila Were a New Testament couple who were operating in a co-vocational mindset, understanding that they're disciple-making disciples, bought by Jesus, built by Jesus, all of that stuff. And there are stories, if you read through the book of Acts, that they are found in four different cities planting and helping churches. They're in Rome, they're in Pontus, they're in Corinth, and they're in Ephesus. They had skills that allowed them to move place by place. And you see that they eventually end up in the church of Ephesus as major leaders in the church. And they are marketplace workers. This is, in, this is intentional and this is crucial. And so really briefly, I want to give you their resume. You ready? Priscilla and Aquila, they were co-workers with Paul in Christ Jesus, Romans chapter 16. They risked their lives with Paul and for Paul, Romans 16, verse four. The church was extremely grateful for them, Romans 16, three. They assisted Paul in Ephesus, Acts 18, 18 through 28. They demonstrated hospitality, we see that Paul stayed with them and they shared the same trade in Acts 18.3. They invited Apollos to their house. They explained him more about, uh, explained Jesus more to him. And so what John B. Polehill says is, he said, this is a perfect example before us by Christians like Aquila and Priscilla traveling the routes of trade and commerce and carrying their faith wherever they went. So they had jobs. They were marketplace workers in the mission field. And they found themselves... At multiple different churches serving those churches because they could move and because they did have financial stability and because they could travel around and do different things. And so in a world we live in, I submit to you, that is the future of the church that Jesus wants us to be, is an unleashed group of people who can work from their laptop. And you go, man, I can work from, my, if I have a laptop, I have a job. And you're like, great. How about you move to this location and work? Great, hey, if I, if I have this degree, then I can move anywhere. And you go, great, you're the kind of person who can have two different vocations and callings. And so you can be movable and trainable and sendable. And you can be the kind of people that the church of God moves forward on the back of because of these skills you have. But we have to quit thinking that the ordained and the appointed people of God are the only ones who get to play. And so sure resonate we need more people who want to be Timothy and Paul and church planter kind of people. But I submit to you what we really need is an army of Priscilla and Aquila Christians who say my house is the church's house. My money it's church planting money. My life is for the kingdom of God. My, my time is for disciple making. I wanna make this thing happen no matter where I go, no matter what I do, I want to play. I want to have impact in multiple churches just like those guys did. But I think for so long, we have sidelined people who had jobs. And we say, the best you can do is volunteer. So we wanna make sure that we see the church that God is designing is, is a place for all of those people. And I don't know if we ever will see the impact that Priscilla and Aquila had on the New Testament church. I had a professor in college that would always joke. Uh, he, he said, I would not be surprised if Priscilla wrote the book of Hebrews. Nobody knows, he would joke. He's like, nobody knows who wrote the book of Hebrews, but whoever she was, she was brilliant. Like, I see what you did there, Professor. So the impact they had, Apollos, uh, a very dynamic, young, apostolic person gets brought into their house and they teach him the scriptures. And so they had other jobs, yet they knew the scriptures enough to help educate and train. Their house was a hospitable place. And so there's something happening here in this story that I think all of us can learn from and grow in. So you go, okay, I, listen, I, I know this was a lot. From who we are as the church, to who you are as a Christian, to who we want to be as Resonate Church, that's a lot. But listen, stay with me. Here's, Here's the last thing. The only thing that would motivate us to want to do this is actually going back to where it started. Because a speech is not going to motivate you. It's not good enough. It's never good enough. The only thing that would motivate you to want to do this is to be reminded that you were pursued by a missionary God and you were purchased by a missionary savior and then you were empowered by a missionary spirit to be sent into a broken, sinful, hurting world to be a light post pointing to a kingdom, pointing to a king saying, I am a beggar but I know where to get food. A missionary God who couldn't imagine the world without you, being left on your own, he couldn't imagine leaving you in the world all by yourself. So a missionary God pursued you. A missionary savior purchased you by his very own life. And a missionary spirit has empowered you. And God has revealed this to you. And here's the here, here's here's where you gotta believe. God wants to reveal that same thing to people at your job and people in your neighborhood. He wants to reveal that. And this is the beautiful part. When I say everybody plays, it means he wants to use you to reveal that. He wants to use us to reveal that truth to others. He has been doing this throughout the ages. So we as Resonate Church are going to be relentless in mission. And when I say we're gonna be relentless in mission, we say, what I mean is we want to equip you and to train you to be the church that God has already called you to be to be the church that God has already said that you are, called you and trained you. We want to make sure that you're acting as the church you already are. So as practically as I could put this, you go, okay, I, I got some information here. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? Here, here, on our birthday, here's what I'm to ask you to do. Simple, you ready? Three things. Take personal responsibility to care for those in the body of Christ. Thing number one. You're not gonna sit around and watch the body of Christ suffer. You've been asked by Jesus to care for the body of Christ. So when you see a need, you're gonna meet that need. When you see disunity, you're gonna speak to that disunity. You say, I'm gonna take personal responsibility because I'm a part of this thing. God revealed this to me. I've been bought by Christ. I'm gonna take personal responsibility to care for the body of Christ. That's absolutely in the scriptures. Number two, take personal responsibility for the not yet believers in your life. So not only am I gonna care for the church, I'm gonna look at my world, my neighborhood, my job, my school, my dorm room. I'm gonna look at my world and I'm gonna take personal responsibility for the not yet believers. And that's an intentional phrase, not yet believers. God is going to reveal himself to people. They're just not yet there. I'm gonna take personal responsibility for the not yet believers in my life and I'm gonna live towards them. I'm gonna bless them and I'm gonna care about them and I'm gonna pray for them and I'm gonna be intentional with them. And I'm going to be awkward sometimes if that's what it takes to tell them, hey, I want to pray for you. Or hey, would you be interested in coming to, to village with me? Or hey, can I tell you about Jesus who's changed my life? I'm going to take personal responsibility for people in my life. And then lastly, this, this might be the hardest one. In light of all of that stuff, I'm going to reprioritize my life, my values, my schedule, and my money to ensure that I don't fail at making disciples. And listen, I know this is hard. I did not... Last week I, I, I was in Texas, my little brother got married and I spoke at a church where my friend from college is the pastor and we went to Mexican food for lunch, which is the only place you should ever go in Texas to eat food after church, is an amazing Mexican restaurant. If you've not been there, you're missing out on the kingdom of God. That's how, that's how good it is. I can't even, I'm just mad thinking about it. That's how good it is. And I was talking to my friend from college and we've been out of school for like over 10 years. And I said, man, has anyone ever, like when we were in school, did anyone ever push us to make disciples? He's like, no, we church hopped all around to whoever had the best show. I was like, bro, have you been reading your Bible? He's like, yeah, it's like in the Bible. We're supposed to make disciples. I'm like, how did we not see that? It's like painted on the wall of our school's building, the college we went to. Therefore, go ye into all nations, making disciples. It doesn't say, therefore, church hop all around to the best programs. <laughs> and I was like, bro, what have we done? What are we doing? He's like, I don't know. And then we just went back to eating our chips and dip. <laughs> and so for us, it's like, we, we believe this is what the church is in the Bible. And if we can see that, and realize that a missionary God has sent a missionary son to save us, and the missionary spirit empowers us, then we will reprioritize our lives to make disciples. And if you find yourself saying, Josh, I don't know how to do that. Can you help me with that? I go, yeah, that's exactly what we want to do. We wanna give our lives to help you do that. Why? So that we can glorify God and see his glory go to the ends of the earth. That's why. And if you follow Jesus and the spirit lives inside of you, you should want that with all your heart. So I wanna pray that those big definitions would make their way into our heart and actually change our lives for His glory and for the good of our cities. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. If you are a college student in the Northwest or if you simply want to see college students come to know Jesus, please connect with us by visiting Resonate.net.